Hi, Steph. Happy Nurses Week. Happy Nurses Week to you, too. Thanks. And happy Year of the Nurse. <laughs> what? A year. A year of the nurse. Right. I can't believe it. I have to say, people have been calling us you know, nurses, uh, heroes, and that just hasn't felt right to me because I felt feel so much gratitude to this profession. But today we're going to talk to a couple of people that I really do feel like are me too heroes, heroes yes. absolute heroes. The Colleen Roach, uh, one of a special nurse that works here, and uh, Bronwyn Ron. Becker, uh, who's a chaplain with with Home Health and Hospice. Yep, they uh, dove right into Birchwood. We're on the front lines, basically, of this pandemic. What they did was amazing, and they tell us about it. So yeah. that's fantastic. We also talked to Peg Gagne yeah, about yeah. Nurses Week and COVID, because that's sort of the topic du jour, du, <laughs> du, du year. <laughs> I mean, can we not talk about COVID? Right. It's, just, uh, it's everywhere. Right. And, uh, and then Michelle Monaghan, uh, the MPG chair, and she's going to go over uh, Nurses Week and how uh, the hospital is providing gratitude to this, this wonderful profession. profession of ours. I do have to admit, I'm, I, I love being a nurse, and I am so grateful. I'm grateful to you, Leslie. I'm you grateful too, to my Steph and I sometimes after work will be carpooling, and I'll sit in the back seat so I'm six feet away. And, 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 she, and we'll both be like, we love our job. Yet we talk about it. But this, it's really been evident to me how amazing our colleagues are and it's, how they support all of us and we support them. And Yeah, I, you know, I'm brimming with love. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's, some, there's a few technical difficulties just with Skype, so bear with us with the little bit of texture that's added <laughs> this to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Nurses Week to all of you out there. Absolutely. Uh, and we have so much respect for every one of you. <laughs> Keep fighting the good fight. Okay. Hi guys. Hi Bronwyn. Hi. Hi Colleen. Hey Leslie. Hi Steph. Hi Steph. Hi Leslie. Hi. So um, we just wanted to, why don't you introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Colleen Roach and I'm a nurse on the Medical Infusion, Medical Infusion Center on Chap 4. Yep. I'm Bronwyn Becker, Hospice Spiritual Caregiver for UVM Home Health and Hospice and Pretty M Chaplain here at the hospital. Great. So Thanks, guys. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here today. I know Absolutely. <laughs> we, this is um, for everybody out there. This is our second um, <laughs> attempt at this. So we really appreciate you guys coming to talk to us today. The, the technical difficulties with Skype recording, right? <laughs> yeah, everything. Your, your job is so much harder instead of just inviting people into your recording studio. Now you've got all the <laughs> technical stuff you've got to overcome. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we gained some new skills out of it. So that's, yeah. the, that's the bright side. Yeah. Pandemic positives. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start, Colleen. Um, I, I kind of wanted to start with the phone call that you received to do the work at Birchwood, what that looked like, what it felt like, and if you could just describe that for us, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. So back at the beginning of April, what happened was um, uh, Birchwood was hard hit by COVID. So as we now have learned, you know, it um, spread fast through the building and UVM Medical Center was approached that Birchwood was having essentially a crisis at their facility and that they were requesting some support from the medical center. So through the leadership of Bob Gramling, the head of palliative care here, he quickly kind of wanted to deploy a palliative care team 
to go in and help Birchwood, kind of knowing that with the population there having so many comorbidities and just sort of the seriousness of COVID that palliative care could really be utilized at their facility. So the call came out to me on a Sunday morning and we had to make the decision and also to Bronwyn. Um, they were looking for uh, some nurses that had some palliative care background. Also, we had a three nurses, a chaplain, and a physician uh, that started the team. And the call went out on Sunday, and we had to start on Monday morning. So it was a quick turnaround. And, you know, when you have to make a decision like that, I think you just kind of look inward and say, what's my answer? And um, being a nurse is a big part of my identity, helping people in time of need, and Birchwood being the place in our community that really needed support, I just said a quick yes. And how about you, Bronwyn? What was your thinking around making the decision to to go in? Uh, I was asked. I was invited to be part of this team, this collaborative team offering support to people who are willing to open their homes to us, work with us to care for, I think, some of the most vulnerable people in our community. It felt like a great privilege to be invited. So I said yes. And I know, like, was there any fear or apprehension about doing that work? I mean, that is, I know my feelings around it would be very much nervousness and it's kind of a scary time. So was that at all part of part of this at all? My sense in, in listening to the stories from folks, not only on our team, but the Birchwood staff who continued to show up for their shifts was, was that there's a Greek poet named Constantine Kavafi, who said, um, for some people, the day comes when they have to declare the great yes or the great no. And it's clear at once who has the yes ready within them. And saying it, they go from honor to honor, strong in their conviction. Right. And my sense is that everybody had to, as Colleen said, look inside, but that yes was there waiting. And, mm-hmm. and there we were. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's awesome, guys. And Bronwyn says it very eloquently, but I was scared. I'm just going to say it like that. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was afraid. And, um, you know, Steph and Leslie, you two were actually big supporters of mine as, as we kind of marched through those feelings. And I think in times of uncertainty, you don't know what's ahead, but you, you just kind of, you know, one foot in front of the other. And as time went on at Birchwood, you get more comfortable with the PPE and understanding what you do have in your control. Yeah, there was absolutely apprehension and fear. But once you get in there and start doing the work, that kind of goes away. You're able to focus on what's in front of you. Right. And there was really amazing work that was happening inside those inside that building. So tell us a little bit about the work that was happening inside, like what you did, what the staff there was doing. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, what happened when we first got there was was Birchwood was in crisis. They had multiple patients that were COVID positive. They had multiple staff that were COVID positive. Every day was trying to figure out if Birchwood could sustain taking care of their patients at Birchwood. So there was talk about moving patients to all the patients to University of Vermont Medical Center, uh, maybe moving some of the patients. What ended up happening is they decompressed one of the units and moved several patients to the hospital and then moved the other patients back to, there's three wings, so they put all the patients that were left onto two wings so that the staff could consolidate. And then what palliative care team did was we really focused on goals of care discussions with patients and families and making sure that they understood what um, COVID specifically 
might look like for their future. And it was uncertain for all of us. We don't know, are they going to make it through or, or maybe not? And do they want escalation of care to the hospital and really providing people with the opportunity to have those hard discussions, but really meaningful discussions so that they could be part of the decision making while they were alert enough to make those decisions. So there's complications in there with, you know, family wasn't able to come in at that time. So you'd have discussions with the family and then you'd have discussions with the patients and then have to call the family and then maybe circle back and have a discussion all together with the family uh, through the phone with PPE on. You know, there's a lot of challenges mixed in there, but I do feel so good about giving people the opportunity to have a choice in what they wanted their future to look like. Um, I know there was at least 20 deaths by the time that we left. Mm. Um, And the other piece of that is, aside from the goals of care discussion, was medication administration. Birchwood only had access to oral medication. So when you think about being in a crisis and your toolbox is only so deep, Right. Bob Grambling did incredible work al- along with the, the rest of the crew to get access to medication, to subcutaneous uh, administration of Ativan and morphine and Haldol. Um, home health and hospice nurse Sue Tebow, yep. who was really instrumental in getting the subcutaneous access kits. We were able to administer medications to patients when they were in crisis because the COVID symptoms come on quick, shortness of breath, hypoxia, and also a lot of secretions so that oral absorption of medications wouldn't work as well. We were able to get the subcutaneous sets and give the proper medications to support people and aid in a dignified end of life or not always end of life. Some people just needed some medication to help with breathing and then they would turn around and get better. So I really do feel like the work that was done from our team was just helped to make a really bad situation better. Yeah, so that, that, that was that's meaningful incredible. work. That's yeah. incredible that some of it aided in a dignified and comfortable death and some of it aided in actually turning people around from COVID, you know, the symptoms of COVID to enable them to actually live, right? Yeah. Without having to be put on respirators or any of that kind of stuff. So maybe without that intervention of a deeper toolkit, it would have 100% looked very different. Yeah, I, I think so. And the, the last piece of that was that we were towards the end of our time when the crisis started to settle a bit and, and the staff at Birchwood, they got access to the subcutaneous medications for their facility. And then uh, we did some teachings, show them how to do the subcutaneous uh, administration. We were there for four weeks. Um, I'll turn it over to Bronwyn because she remains there for, for one more week to do some more of her work with the staff at Birchwood, but being able to give them the tools to do the work because they are able to do the work. We just needed to help facilitate to, to get them what they needed. Um, I have two questions. Well, who made up the palliative care staff? I know we touched on that a little bit, but who who was, who was were those people? So uh, on the, those first few days when we first went in, it was a team of five. So like I mentioned, Bob Gramling, uh, the physician, led the tribe in there. Uh, And then the three nurses were Laura Lowdy, myself, and Sue Tebow from Home Health and Hospice, and then Bronwyn, who kept us all grounded as the chaplain, um, including the staff. And then we had several physicians from the palliative care team join us those first couple weeks, including, and Bronwyn jump in, um, we had Patty Whitney, Steve Burns, and Laramie. Belle Matheson, Barry Neville, and then we had three additional nurses join our team, Mark Reitman, Alyssa Smith, and Rene Woodard. 
the, so we had an RV parked out back where a team of that was, uh, nurses. That was uh, Bob Gramling's idea, right, to set up the... Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. He, he's a cowboy. So he, yeah. he called us I called us it. the palliators. The RV was our tour bus. We were we were pretending we were a band. <laughs> yeah, we had some fun along the way, as, as you know, healthcare workers do. We always find humor any situation we're put in so and i don't think everybody knows i mean people you guys pretty much lived in that rv there was somebody there 24 hours a day yeah that that is true so bronwyn we i know that um part of what makes us human is our physical our our emotional and then our spiritual health our physical health nursing is helping to take care of there and you were helping take care of the spiritual health and life of patients can you talk about that a little bit I really see my my work as supporting often the spiritual care that others are already doing. So I think one of the one of the stories here was the way that it, I think comes back again to collaboration and hospitality. Hospital, hospice, hospitality all find their root in a word that means friendliness to strangers or guests, right? And Birchwood's welcome of the palliative care team made possible that support for in those first weeks what the staff maybe wasn't able to do themselves and then that turning over of skill and capacity to in-house staff now that are so skilled and so ready Mm -hmm. to care for people who are COVID positive in our community and they're ready. All along that staff had been caring for the physical needs, the spiritual needs, the emotional needs, and the social needs or psychological and social needs of the residents in their home. So I was able to come in and do some one-on-one visits with residents, also recognize the needs of the staff at Birchwood and recognize some of the needs of our palliative care team itself. I'm very grateful for the collaboration of the health network that brought Medical Center and Home Health and Hospice together through inviting both Sue and me to be part of the palliative care team, because through that, we were able to offer interdisciplinary services like bereavement support for families and also for staff. Colleen spoke to our continued presence there. We'll be, with the welcome of Birchwood, we're shaping staff support for the next few weeks uh, culminating in a memorial for staff mm. so that they are feel supported Absolutely. as the crisis eases, but a different experience of weathering a crisis sets in. Absolutely. And having lost the people that they have loved and cared for for quite a while. Yes. Exactly. And, and seeing quite a few of their, their um, residents be gravely ill. And quite frankly, all of that is emotionally and physically and spiritually taxing. Yeah. Yes. I think in the first weeks, as as we know, when people are in, in crisis, they can't always identify exactly what it is that, that they need in, in the moment. Yeah. To have the palliative care team be right there to help with assessment and provide support as needed was life-saving, I think, yeah. and, and dignity saving. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Now, what we found in the last couple of weeks was that as the crisis has abated, staff at Birchwood is able to say X, Y, or Z would be really helpful. And we can shift our support to uh, helping provide what feels most important to them. 
Oh, that's great. Right. Is there anything about this experience that has surprised you guys, either emotionally, physically, or just like the experience itself? Well, there's a lot of reflection that I still need time to to do, but I think sort of the, the overarching feelings are just I think when you are with a group of people that goes into something unknown we we were I was so lucky to work with just this awesome group of people and as as Bob mentioned it was almost like choreographed the way that that the way that our like little team worked together we just sort of like came together and did what needed to be done and I think just I feel sort of overwhelmed with like feelings of gratitude for human beings and getting time to spend with the patients and like human resilience that it wasn't all pretty in there right you know it, it there was moments of real real true sadness that these patients didn't have their families there and um, got moved from their roommates or lost friends right these people yeah. are residents they live in these homes and I walked the hall with a, a patient on one of the last days and he looked in the room and noticed that somebody wasn't there that he used to spend time with and eat meals with and and just just kind of being with people during these really like heartfelt moments that are sad but also just just like I said the resilience of the human spirit and people keep digging deep and they keep finding meaning and they keep moving forward, which is what we all have to do. So I feel really privileged to have um, been in a space with people during this trying time. I just love people. I think that's what I'm asking. I just really, I just love love people. Well, yes. I know, um, and I'm sure I, I'm going to speak for Leslie too. We are so grateful for all of you to do this work. I am privileged. I am privileged to know you guys, and we so appreciate you willing to share your story and the story of all of those beautiful people at Birchwood. Right. And I can say from my end, having a mother-in-law there who was COVID positive, and knowing that you two and Bob Gramling and Laurel and and Alyssa and Mark were in itself just personally for me is one of the biggest gifts I've ever had. I mean, knowing that I I couldn't go in and I needed to relinquish control to people that I trusted immensely was huge for my family. Um, so thank you yeah, very thanks. much. I mean, I can't. And, and she's 92 and lived. <laughs> she made it through. She I made know. it through COVID. God bless her. Unbelievable. <laughs> Steph, one of the things that 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 I'm left with is the um, the clarity about how much love there has been in that building, right from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Uh, Bob Gamling said at one point, "It is a place just dripping with love." And you asked what I'm left with, and it is a sense of gratitude for having been invited <laughs> into their home to help support them in loving their people and being loved back. You know, again and again, residents told me, these nurses and LNAs are, one resident said, warriors. You know, another said, every time somebody comes in, she tries to thank them. So their empathy and their understanding of the situation was extraordinary as well. Love always wins, right? Love Love always always wins. wins. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. I feel like you're coming too close to the screen, Colleen. I want to kiss, kiss you. you. <laughs> I know. Well, Steph, I know. I'm like, I'm getting all close to the screen because I got to say, now that you guys are uh, running this podcast, I am now your number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having us, guys. It's been nice to to be guests on the podcast. 100%. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.
How are you both? We're good. How are you? It's been quite a busy time, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can only imagine for you guys, feel like probably every decision you're probably like, this is the hardest decision we'll make, and then you get another one that was even harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has been fairly intense, and it, you know, with the picture changing so much, right, back and forth, pivoting and going against the most recent challenge. So, right, right. Yeah. Are you? Do you feel? Are you exhausted, or do you feel okay? I feel okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, good. I've had I've had days where I'm just like, oh my god, but you probably can't even think <laughs> anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if there's it's a, there's something weird too about all of us sort of preparing for this really intense experience and we prepare I, I always felt like we were responding at this hospital versus reacting which is what we wanted right we I never felt like we were in reaction mode we were just mm -hmm. trying to respond and we were prepared and that was good but then it sort of never luckily and right. go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there were certain areas where it got to that yeah. crisis piece, and I think Birchwood was one of those. We were just uh, talking with Colleen about it. I think the pandemic kind of happened at Birchwood and BHR, right? Right. In the state. Right. That's where it existed. Yeah. Yeah. And so having to put that plan together under duress and right. stress was, was difficult. But, you know, having people just sort of step up to that, pretty amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And all of them say it's some of the most rewarding work they've ever done in their lives. Oh, I know. I know. You hear them talk about it. First of all, they all volunteered for it. Yep. And second of all, it was so challenging at the beginning. And then to hear them say, how rewarding. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm thinking about I it. Know, me <laughs> I cried already today too, so yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, so we're here to talk about Peg is Nurses Week. Yes. <laughs> Woohoo! It's the year of the nurse. <laughs> the year of the nurse. I'm it's just been amazing all of the press, you know, and the nursing stories that are out there, just right. really yeah. tough stories and inspiring stories about nurses. How how great. Exactly. Yeah, it really is. It highlights the challenge, the beauty, the resilience of the profession. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so it certainly is so appropriately the year of the nurse celebrate in such a different way this year we're not going to be able to get together and right now I know I take or whatever else I told Michelle yeah. I just want a nurse Blake hug this year you know <laughs> like we just all want that collective hug <laughs> but we're we're you know looking at some other ways to virtually celebrate and we will do our scholarships and awards but it's just going to be on a different schedule you know yeah. and in a different way we'll right. come to you instead of you know having <laughs> That's big great. collective events, which I'm not going to be able to do for a while. Right. So. Right. That's great. So what thoughts do you have about Nurses Week going in for the hospital? You know, what, what are your feelings as our fearless leader? Yep. Um, what advice do you have for us <laughs> moving <laughs> forward from this <laughs> crazy time? Or we're not out of the woods by any respect, but I feel like in some ways we have a tiny bit of breathing room right now. Yes. Well, I think we, we know so much more than we knew at the beginning of this and yep. all of the experience that we have gained from living through the uncertainty of will our PPE supplies and the way that we're using them really protect our staff 
Yep. And we have an answer to that. Really haven't had any staff on the areas that we're providing direct care to COVID patients who have come back on positive. So I'm feeling solid about that. That nurses come together and put together guidelines for the care of the COVID patients and, and get that work off the ground. Now it's a matter of figuring out how we maintain that COVID readiness and capacity along with restarting all of the other services and care that we provide, you know, for patients in the community. So I think that work is beginning and it's going to be really important to do it in sort of a staged and thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. As we get more people in the environment, we've set up the environment to deal with that, you know, so that we have the right sort of physical distancing and maintaining the safety for our staff and our patients. Our colleague Jamie Kelly said if we can't if we couldn't trust the PPE we'd be in trouble but because we know now we know that we can trust the PPE and we're doing that right like our job it makes our job 100% easier. Yep. Because yeah. we are able to say we trust this. Right. I mean, that that PPE committee meeting every single day just about what have we got for supply and what are our priorities and how are we going to use this and then staff having to, okay, it's now now we're doing this and now we're doing this as we went through it was really uh, difficult but necessary. And now I think we've landed in a really good place in terms of our supplies and our protocols. And so I feel I feel good about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So is there um, anything that you want to tell the nurses out there right now? (laughs) Well, one big thank you. I think it's been amazing to see how nurses really leaned in to meet the challenge in so many different areas. You know, I think about the reconfiguration work down in the ED so that they have their isolation triage track and I went walked through there several different times and every time I went down there it looked different there was a new building there was a new structure and had teams of nurses who were part of making that happen and then walking up on McClure 6 just before their first COVID positive patient arrived. The message there was, Peg, we're ready. We've got this. Just that confidence and that commitment. I think the MICU went went through all kinds of reconfigurations with the number of COVID patients that they had there and in rounding there on nights and seeing a nurse with a mop in her hand. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, just sort of doing all the surfaces and everything and just do what needed to be done during that time. It was just pretty amazing. And we already chatted a little bit about the Birchwood experience, but again, having people volunteer for what they knew was going to be really difficult work and keep showing up and help us work through some of the challenges there, inspiring. So it's a huge thank you for the efforts of this challenge that we faced. And as we pick up and and go forward together, um, more of these kinds of challenges. I think the confidence that we've got the right team to handle it. That's great. That's true. I do feel like especially grateful to the people that we work with. I think Mm -hmm. our, our colleagues are incredible, right? And I also feel like, Peg, we're standing on shoulders of giants, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> so I appreciate that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think interesting to um, round over in the Miller Building, for example, where the impacts were there, but more subtle, and yeah. also feel the strength and the commitment of those nurses there who were 
taking on new patient populations or you know, having to close down their unit for a period of time and combine, you know, we had the Miller 5, Miller 6, a different set of challenges that they were facing with this. And I think across the board really stepped up. So, and happy Nurses Week. (laughs) Thank you so much, Peg. We appreciate you. We are grateful to you for your leadership. Absolutely. And um, happy Nurses Week to you. Happy Nurses Week to you too, yeah. Thank you both. (laughs) Take care. Take care. (laughs) Well, hi and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. It's nice to hear your voice. Last time we got to do this in person. I know. How is the MPG world going? It's going pretty well. It's obviously very different right now. It's kind of funny when, you know, we started the year in January. I was so nervous about how the year was going to go, wondering what it would be like and never did I imagine that this is what I would have to be dealing with as chair for NPG. (laughs) We haven't had meetings last month and this month we're not going to either and hoping to start back up this summer get things back on track. Everything's kind of on pause right now Um, so for my part of it I've just been trying to work on Nurses Week stuff and also just kind of plan you know, once we start back up, what it's going to look like, how we're going to dive back in, you know, kind of how we're going to make up for lost time, get back in the groove of things. <laughs> right. For I everybody. Know. Talking to Leslie about how, what a year of the nurse this is. It's kind of funny how they picked the, the theme last year, obviously not knowing the year of the nurse, year of healthcare in general. Yeah, crazy. Free Nurses Week is looking a lot different this year. We're... You know, we can't do the stuff we've done in the past where we have a lot of different gatherings and events and celebrations, you know, our award ceremonies and bringing speakers in. And we've had to come up with alternative ways to try to still celebrate everyone and celebrate our nurses, stick with the distancing that we're becoming so used to right now. So, yeah, we're trying to do uh, we're going to do some um, visual like recognition pieces around the hospital, around the main campuses and kind of utilize our social media to do some recognition. Peg's going to host Peg Gagne, our CNO, is going to host a virtual town hall. So it's going to be a chance to kind of chat with her and she's going to, you know, do some reflection on our nursing staff and recognition there. So we're also going to be sending out a virtual calendar to our staff that's going to provide uh, daily links to different videos and different webinars that our nurses can go to each day. So the links are going to be um, a variety of them. Some are going to be funny. Some are going to be inspiring. Some are going to be educational, like professional growth, uh, personal growth. It's a whole variety of different types of videos and things that you can visit just to kind of celebrate our profession and celebrate us as people. Oh, that sounds wonderful. That does sound great. Things to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, Michelle, we totally appreciate you coming and uh, talking to us about Nurses Week. Yeah, thank you for having me.